Now, Malinowski! Oh, yes! Ruslan Malinowski, his first goal in 25 league matches is a beauty. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Serie A Spotlight. This is episode 101, and we are your hosts, Matt and Jake. Our goal of the week this week was Malinowski's rocket. Close contender was uh, Kandreva's rocket. Two fantastic goals, of course. Kandreva, there was a bit of a goalkeeping blunder over there as well, I would say. Granted, it had, a, it had quite the spin on it, and he has a great technique when it comes to shooting, um, mm. Kandreva. But Malinowski's, I think, takes the cake because it was such a clean strike. Yeah, it, it was absolutely unstoppable. I think when someone describes an unstoppable strike, uh, Malinowski's goal is what they would imagine. Um, I wouldn't say it was a blunder by the keeper in Kandreva's goal. I think it, mm. that kind of knuckle, knuckle shot, it, it's hard to tell where the ball is going yes. and with that power the reaction time is uh, limited um, but you could say it was stoppable in that sense you know what I mean even though it's very difficult um, so Malinowski takes the cake yeah we had a few other um, honourable mentions of course Malinowski's and Kandreva's were the best but then there were Udon's goal Sule's goal Debala Sharawi and Zergzi they all scored great goals too yeah but the two we mentioned before will probably be in the top 10 goals of the season yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that's the difference between them uh, don't forget to follow us guys on Instagram TikTok and Twitter and YouTube as well don't forget to drop us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we just saw the analytics of our Spotify wrapped, um, and it was interesting to see that 116 of you had us as their number one podcast of 2023. And we were in the top five for 408 people and in the top 10 for 579. These numbers are great. We didn't expect this. So um, thank you very much, guys. And if we featured in your top five, your top 10 on your, or your top one, please do send it over. Um, we'd love to to see who the real ones are. Yeah, absolutely. That's what growth looks like, our brother. Exactly, bro. That's exactly what it is. Um, I want to shout out our patrons as well. Something we're going to start doing. The family has grown. Our newest patron, David Mastro Battista, has My joined. God. That's one hell of a name. Huh? That, that, uh-huh. I'm not, not quite sure what it means. That there are like five different things I could uh-huh. say. Mastro Battista. Yeah, what, what do you think it sounds like? Maybe? I mean, Master Bates <laughs> is the first one that, that comes to mind. Like and a the, master of masturbating. And the WWE guy, but. Exactly. Maestro Battista. Our patrons, shout out to you guys. There's Mintoff, Mike, Luca, Alan, Andy, Matthias, Edward, Theo, Lena, Tonna, and Anthony. Thank you very much for your continuous support, guys. This match day, guys, had um, some great matches, some big matches, including Derby d'Italia, Mila Fiorentina, Atalanta Napoli. There were great goals, as like the ones we mentioned before. Goals against exes. We saw Pinamonti, we saw Caputo, um, we saw Candreva as well. That was a goal against Lazio. Um, men wearing lipstick, obviously, yeah. um, in the campaign against domestic violence, something that hopefully all our listeners um, can campaign about. Did you see the social media posts by the official Serie A page? I don't think I did. Oh, come on. You must have, bro, with the red the red label on the picture. So there's a there's a picture ah, of, yeah, of the yeah. team or like Lautaro and Thuram celebrating, for example. It's like highest goal scored, most assists, mm. right? And then at the bottom in red, it's like um, 160 women killed so far. My, this year. 
<laughs> like over the picture and there's like Lautaro and Thuram celebrating <laughs> or the Frost and all on it even it's like rapes have been committed it's like come on dude this is really the best approach <laughs> maybe not maybe not um, think, things to learn from I guess uh, we also had some young stars entering the, the fray we had some young goal scorers but particularly Kamarda became the youngest player to ever feature in a Serie A match aged just 15 turning 16 in around 4 months um, great to see young Italian talent particularly up front uh, and we also had some great upsets as well yeah, uh, it's been an action-packed weekend, to be honest. Uh, catching up on everything was uh, enjoyable, but yeah, long. Especially uh, for me, now that I'm back, this was my first jam-packed weekend since oh, yeah. I've been How back. do you feel? How do you feel? Oh, great, eh, man. I, I, so, Jake and I are living separately <laughs> yeah. nowadays, so I was pretty much over for the majority of the weekend watching football, so that, that was cool. Very nice. It's nice having you over, bro. Um, not nice having to cook for you and clean up after you, but, but that's, that's don't okay. Worry, don't worry, don't um, worry. The tide will turn. So. What did you watch Saturday, three o'clock? I was watching Genoa, um, and I was close to regretting it, to be honest, because the other game was an absolute cracker, but... But there was a Malinovsky's goal, so you can't really yeah. regret that. Yeah, this was a good game as well, man. I, I was watching Sassuolo, Empoli, um, in and out because I was doing some chores around, you know. Uh. But, but the second all those goals um, uh, started taking place, and obviously I I got intrigued, yeah. I got interested. You're there with the laundry basket, and he's like, Sule! <laughs> <laughs> Sule, not for Empoli or Sassuolo. Um, oh, we yeah. have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but for us and one, yeah, that's that's my bad. <laughs> yeah. Um so here's the rundown of the week for all you commuters needing to know exactly what happened in, in Serie A this weekend, and it's also the order in which we will be uh, discussing the these matches. So we'll start obviously with the Derby d'Italia. It was Juve one, Inter one, it was Vlaovic who opened the scoring, uh, but Lautaro Martinez managed to get one back in the first half. Um, for Inter to get the draw over there Atalanta won Napoli 2 it was Mazzari's first game uh, for Napoli and it was a tough challenge away to Atalanta but they did a spectacular job to get the victory over there it was uh, Milan 1 Fiorentina 0 in the third game we'll be covering just a singular Teo uh, penalty quite a decimated squad for Milan with Giroud out suspended as well uh, but but a, a solid win over there for them the fourth game is Empoli 3 Sassuolo 4 this has to be the game of the weekend worldwide um, just you know two teams that were at each other's throats the entire time so much so that they both forgot how to defend Salernitana 2 Lazio 1 that is our upset of the week and what a showing it was by Salernitana Pippo and Zaghi's side to get back into the game um, Roma 3 Udinese 1 there was a scare for Roma when Udinese equalised uh, but uh, great football by Roma yeah. in order to, to get that over the line great goal by Dybala great goal by El Sharawi Bologna 2, Torino 0, Torino were strong in the first half, particularly defensively, but Bologna are just on such hot form right now. I believe it's three wins in their last four games. Verona 2, Lecce 2, and what was a very competitive game between two very uh, similar sides when you think about quality at the moment. Frosinone 2, Genoa 1, a couple injuries for Genoa, but take nothing away from Frosinone's performance. And Cagliari 1, Monza 1 is the last game that we're going to be covering. <coughs> yep, yep. That's the rundown. That's that's the menu for today. And I think we should jump straight into it, bro, with the Derby d'Italia. Yes, Juve 1, Inter 1. Um, uh, 
the Derby d'Italia, obviously, some might say it's the, the biggest game in Italy. I think there are more exciting derbies, more heated derbies, but, but these two sides really do put on a show against each other. Only two points separated these sides coming into the Derby d'Italia with Inter in first place and Juventus in second place. Um, couple injuries and Inter had Bastoni and Pavard out injured. So their back three consisted of Acerbi, Devray and Darmian, uh, but they were otherwise at full strength. Whilst uh, Rugani had to start at centre-back for Juve due to Danilo's injury and Caviglia also started the game in the centre of midfield because of Locatelli's cracked rib, but he still did feature off the bench. Juve also had Wea out injured, so Cambiaso started on the right and Kostic on the left. And in case you guys are wondering who the fuck is Caviglia, he's also known as Nicolusi. Yeah, he was on loan at Salernitana last season where he played six games and scored one goal. There you go, Mr. Mr. Statsman. Hell yeah. And this was his first start, fun fact, in the Derby d'Italia. Yeah. yeah. Allegri's really changed in that department. He never used to trust young players this much. Aha, uh-huh. and, and this, this was more of a choice because Locatelli with his cracked rib, okay, you ideally wouldn't give him a full match, but he could have taken yeah. him off. Um, uh, but it took balls to start, to start Nicolucci. Especially when there's Miretti as well on the bench who he's been playing more. So now he just randomly showed faith in a player that he had never showed faith mm. in before. And how do you think he performed in your opinion, Nicolucci? Because I've heard mixed things. Yeah, so I've heard mixed things, particularly what I've heard from Juve fans is sheer disappointment. I, mm. I was on one of uh, Juve's fan blogs and, and he got rated a four. Mm. Um, they did make it clear that it's through no fault of his own, but it's due to the fact that he was tossed into the deep end look I, th- I think his performance was was he a step behind perhaps um, but I think it, it was almost unrealizable that, that he was the, the new face within that team I think he had quite a, a clean performance yeah. in that sense it was barely um, noticeable in the game which goes to show that he definitely didn't have a terrible showing absolutely that's it when you're playing centre mid like that um Granted, Inter were overrunning Juve most of the time, but that's because they were up against the three-man midfield of Barella, Cialanoglu, Mkhitaryan. Yeah. And not to mention that you have um, Darmian charging up or Acerbi charging up, you know, to join the midfield and the attack. They they tend to do that in this Inter system. The fact mm-hmm. that he didn't stand out, Caviglia, is a, is a very good sign. You know, yeah. the fact that you don't realize he's there, the fact that that means that he was doing the simple things right um, without fucking up too much. Um, mm-hmm. He did lose the ball a few times. He made a few clumsy mistakes. But of course, when you get your first start on a stage like this, it's almost expected. And um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed with his performance at all. Yeah. Just going to go through the rundown of, of what went on in this game. Um, Chiesa could have done better in the 15th minute as his shot from inside the area went just over uh, Sommer's post, but he had time and space. Um, Chalanoglu took a rather hopeful strike moments later that somehow managed to make its way into the highlight reel. But in the 26th minute, Juve drew first blood through Vlaovic. He finished cleanly after Akiesa's square ball. Um, it was the Serbian who started the attack as he dispossessed Dumfries in quite a dangerous area before outmuscling him and finding Chiesa, receiving the return pass and finishing cleanly. Um, he needs to relax, Vlaovic. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing with the celebration. Yes, it's a goal in the Derby d'Italia, but brother, like four celebrations in one, seriously. Yeah, like, And they're all like a specific type of celebration. Very cocky. Yeah. Very, like, I can't hear you. Shh, 
I'm right here. I'm staying here. Shush, I can't hear you. Yep, that's me. It's like, brother, this is what you've, you should have been doing the entire time. I'm the first one to campaign in favor of Laovic and criticize Allegri's system for not playing to one of the greatest strikers in the league's strengths. Yeah. But, but, but when you're not scoring goals and then you finally get one, be humble about it and, and focus on proving critics wrong through having a good season and not scoring one goal um, in the Derby d'Italia. But sure, whatever. Yeah, that's hilarious. It was like it was spamming Fortnite dance. <laughs> Literally, right. <laughs> Um, just six minutes later, Lautaro equalized after a low cross by Thuram. He finished very well into the far corner. It was great build-up play by Inter as well. Quite similar goals, if you ask mm-hmm. me. Both came through a square yeah. pass, to be fair. Um, Thuram should have done better after the restart when scuffing uh, the ball straight at Chesney after a smart Nicolo Barella backheel flick. Um, and then Henrik Mkhitaryan pulled it back from the byline. Um, but... Um, Turam couldn't do any better than that. The second half and then was characterized like, by a lack of clear goal scoring opportunities. You start seeing Juve getting a bit more cautious. Inter maybe not being that free flowing. In fact, if you look at the XG recorded in this game, it's quite low for both teams. Juan Cuadrado came on against his former club later on and there were multiple jeers and an insulting chance obviously being a mm. former Juventus player going to their rivals um but it was overall basically a much scrappier second half with long periods of interpossession mm. and and very little to show for it the, the thing is that Juve it was clear what they were trying to do right they they were happy with the draw and they were mm-hmm. they were playing for it what surprised me is that Inter seemed happy as well with it i don't know if it's because it's um, early on in the season but i feel like if this game were to take place at a later stage in the season, let's say match day 32, for mm. example, the second half would have been very different. Yeah. And um, you'd have seen Inter all over this Juve side. But in reality, neither team really wanted to lose. And that's what, um, contributed to the, to the draw. Look, I think it's smart by both sides to take that approach. I mean, if you look at this, this is match day 13. You know what I mean? Both of them understand that, yes, there's two points between them, but there's also 20, 20 fucking four games or 25 games left to be played as well. So you can't get carried away and pile all men forward because you need a victory to to cut the deficit yeah. and go first or, or you need a victory to extend your advantage, you know, so... In my opinion, well played by both managers. I think it was um, a mature move by both of them. What that has done, however, um, this stalemate, it has allowed Milan and Napoli to take advantage, who both won the game and they both edge closer yeah. uh, to the top two. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's totally the case. Um, I had a question for you about a player performance, brother. Mm-hmm. So one of the best right wing backs slash right backs whatever in the league so far this season has been Denzel Dumfries yeah, right yeah he's absolutely. been one of the best for sure however in these games against big teams I feel like he's not technically to standard like he made the mistake in this game oh, that, that not, led to the goal a, oh yeah he made the mistake exactly <clears throat> and then it's just the fact his touch man oh my god not mm. great huh no I, I, I think that He's been there a while now, you know. What I mean, he should really settle into. Ah, but he's always the pressure been this, of this type games. of player, bro. Like even with the Netherlands, I mm. remember a pundit had said once, like whoever the fool is who who falls for this uh, Dumfries Euro campaign mm. and like splashes money on him to sign him, I'm gonna feel terribly sorry for ah. him. 
And um, it was Inter, in mm. fact, who splashed the cash on Denzel Dumfries. Um, he's good. He's serviceable. He's deployable. He, you can play him. And athletically, he's better than most players. He's yep. a freak when it comes to his athleticism. Mm. He's he's a big guy. He's strong. He's quick. He, he's, a, he's a savage to play against. He's a mm. very tough opponent. But then technically, I don't think he's... Like you compare his technique to DeMarco's technique on the other end, him and DeMarco are complete opposites. Mm. You see, DeMarco, who physically isn't going to outpace his man. Yeah. He's in not going to outmuscle his man. In fact, you see him in a back four for Italy and his struggles a bit. Yeah. DeMarco. Um, yeah. They're, they're polar opposites. Yeah. But, but what are Inter good at? If you look at historically in the past decade, they, they are good at making good slash average players great at wing backs. Uh, at playing wing back in, in turn managed to get the best out of players. Now maybe Dumfries his qualities show more in the role that he is playing, particularly because a large portion of his role is bombing up and down that right flank. Mm-hmm. If you see him defensively, and then if, if you were to single out his defensive duties, it's nothing to write home about. If you were to single out his offensive duties and his capabilities, mm-hmm. nothing to write home about either. You know what I mean? Yeah. So really, it's his industry. It's mm-hmm. his, it's his, um, tackling. It's his, it's his mind games. His like athleticism. You see him, his yeah. athleticism, absolutely. But I don't think he's a particularly stellar player. I think just, Inter are very good at getting the best out of these wing backs. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. They have quite a few players in this team who are just purely solid, no nonsense, solid, yeah. strong, uh, physically able, and and they can do a lot of damage. And sometimes they're so tough. Most of the time, they're so tough to score against. Yeah, uh, you did you know that Juve have maintained a positive record against Inter in their recent twelve. Serie A encounters. Juve haven't lost to Inter in the past 12 Serie A games. Well, they've got their number, huh? In the league, at least. In the league, yeah. You see them in the Coppa Italia, and they tend to get the best of them, but that's Inter's trophy, apparently, nowadays. That's interesting. Uh, That means that Allegri's got these guys figured out. Mm. Not many people do, but to to be fair... Especially not Milan, man. Inter definitely aren't um, unbeatable. You know, they have had games where where you think, like, at the end of the game, oh, the other team could have turned it around, or they were unlucky not to get yeah. anything over okay. there. Especially cometh January, February. Yeah, and especially now that they're actually experiencing injuries for the first time in, in their history. Yeah, pretty <laughs> They've much. They've got um, Pavard <clears throat> out, they've got Bastoni out, so um, it's a very good thing that they got ahead in the Champions League because they're fully rotating their squad for yeah. tonight. I don't know if you saw, they're starting Bissek, Arnautovic and Sanchez up front together, Whoa. Aslani in the middle, there's uh, Carlos Augusto out wide. He's resting everyone. Jesus and, Christ. And that's what you get eh, when you build a healthy advantage. And Milan, on the other hand, um, failed to secure two games where they are totally dominant in the Champions League against Dortmund mm. and Newcastle. Um, and then had all the pressure in the world to upset Dortmund um, at home, granted, but with a with a very depleted squad, decimated man. Yeah, Krunic centre back. But but anyway, that's that's not what we're talking about <laughs> here. Inter had sixty five percent ball possession and eight shots. Juve had four shots uh, and seemed to prioritize the draw, as we mentioned. And Inter were were just happy to play the ball around. Um, not the most exciting Derby d'Italia's that I've seen. No, no, no. the first, the first like half an hour was great. We saw two goals and all that. Um, but after that, a, a little bit disappointing, I would say. No real ambition from either team. It was a, a chess match. No, almost. It was, 
It was a chess match when the game was actually being played, and in between, it was both teams almost wasting time and killing the game. Yeah, exactly. Over. At one point, you see Inzaghi, the Inter coach, getting the ball, mm. and he just holds on to it, and he lags, and he zones out, and he's holding the ball, and the player had to actually walk up and take it out of his hand. Like, and that's never what he's like. He's always throwing the ball back to them. Come on, let's get going. Half come on, naked. Come on, come on. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but that wasn't the case uh, Clearly again A draw was the priority over here Not losing was the priority I would say Yeah um, I have some player performances To highlight Particularly from Inter Because we did see them With much more of the ball I can't tell you much about Juve Player performances Genuinely But from an Inter perspective I thought Acerbi was excellent um, yeah. He was the centre of Inter's possession For some reason Not only defensively But, but with the ball at his feet he had a touch total of 138 and he also gave 122 passes with 94% accuracy, including five accurate long balls. These are all team highs. Yeah. So he broke records for in, in this performance for all those stats. Think about it. He's filling in the shoes of Bastoni playing there on that go. left side. So he is technically the playmaker from the back and he's against a team like Juventus, so like to sit deep. So he's got all the time in the world to take those touches in his half and ping the ball around and and pass and advance and receive the ball deep again, try to pass, turn, turn the play, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, and it makes sense. And if you look at Darmian and De Vrij as well, their, their stats were high, their possession stats too. Yeah. It's all about the defenders. At, oh, um, Inzaghi was like, right click on a Cherby, roll, ball playing defender. There we go. That's what he did. Devry, he was rock solid at the back in this game, and Devry had seemed to kind of like fallen off a little bit mm-hmm. um, over the past two, three years. But he was rock solid in this game. Uh, he tallied the second most touches for Inter with 110, and he went 101 out of 103 on passes, including three accurate long balls. Um, he made three clearances and two interceptions defensively. Um, which was key because, you know, in a, in, a, in a game of fine margins and a game of um, a, a small amount of goals, all these moments count. Of course, yeah. I thought it was a clever game all around, man. For example, even double teaming DeMarco really stopped Inter from advancing. In like fact, the fact that every time DeMarco got the ball, he was with his back towards goal. Mm-hmm. He had to always pass back because you know what he can do. If you give DeMarco time and space, he will punish you. And and they didn't. They barely gave him time to think about the crosses. Crosses were often overhit for that yeah. reason. Yeah. In fact, DeMarco, he didn't have the best outing. He lost possession 12 times and he also lost six out of 10 duels. Um, he made up for it with two key passes and three accurate long balls. But other than that, again, quite a quiet showing for him because Allegri just understands like look this is the guy this is the playmaker this is the metronome it's not Barella didn't have a great game in this in this match either Uh, it's not Mkhitaryan it's not Chalanoglu all these guys were quiet it was the defensive players that were really getting forward um, and and trying to create something they were at the center of Inter's team I thought Chalanoglu was very good to be fair though this game I thought he was he was defensively super, or in general just his role in the Sergista position, man. He's really, really, really getting used to it. Like, and I wouldn't even say he's getting. I would say he's he's got he's used, used to, to it, it and he's he's nailing it. Right. In, in fact, like I, I, I wouldn't put so much praise towards him for this performance, but mm-hmm. but in the number six role, he has really grown and he's looked solid. Yeah, totally. particularly over the past two seasons. Yeah, fair enough. Um, do you think that it is fair to say that this was 
a clash between Serie A's two best teams? I would say so at at the moment. Um, trying to think of who else there is, but you see some of the, the top teams struggling right now. Um, Lazio, obviously, with their most recent loss to Salernitana. Napoli had a little bit of a dip before this victory against Atalanta. Milan having their own struggles. Roma are up and coming now after a slow start, but I would say Inter and Juve are definitely the most consistent there we go, yeah. teams in the league. Yeah. Fair enough, yes, the most consistent and the title favourites at, at this stage. Uh, granted, granted, uh, if you put the likes of Napoli or a fully fit Milan, um, you'll get better football. Yeah, you'll get more entertaining football, more than Juve at least. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, these two teams have been the the consistent teams this season, and they're up there for a reason. Yep, Inter are first with thirty two points. Juve just behind them, two points behind them in second on thirty points. Milan and Napoli are looming. Milan are six points behind the league leaders, while Napoli are eight points behind the league leaders. Yeah, we can move on to Atalanta 1, Napoli 2. This was Walter Mazzari's first game back at Napoli. Um, this was this isn't his first rodeo, of course, at Napoli. Um, he was there back in the day when they had Cavani, Hamsik, uh, Lovetsi. Yeah. yeah, those guys. So, so welcome back, Mazzari. He's loved over there. And you can tell that there was a positive atmosphere to have him back. And there was even a, a clip with Gvaratskelia kissing him on the cheek. <laughs> and you think to yourself, wow, these guys have been training together for a week and the players are already kissing him on the cheek. What's going to happen by match day yeah, 30? Exactly. What, what are we going to see then? Like? <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to lineups, it was a 3-4-1-2 formation for Giampiero Gasperini. This time he went for Carnesecchi in goal instead of Musso, who ended up making a costly error at the end of the game to lose them the game. The back three was the same as usual. Um, what was interesting was Bakker started on the left and Skamaka was only fit enough to make the bench while Pasalic featured in the middle playing behind uh, Coop Miners and alongside Ederson. For Napoli, it was uh, Golini in goal. Um, this is the first time Walter Mazzari chose a starting 11, so I'm going to read it out. Yeah. Okay, we had Gollini in goal. It was a 4-3-3, something that Mazzari isn't too familiar no, he's with. He's used to the three at the back yeah. system, which is what he had done with Napoli in his previous uh, showing for them. Yeah, Oliveira played instead of the injured Mario Rui and Oliveira fell injured himself and had to be replaced by Juan yeah. Jesus. Nathan, Rahmani and Di Lorenzo were also at the back with Zilinski, Lobotka and Angusa. Standard business as usual in the middle with Politano on the right, Kvaratskelia on the left and Raspadori up front. It's the same thing to be honest as usual. Ozyman was only fit enough for the bench. And an interesting observation was that when he came on, he wasn't wearing his mask. Strange, man. Like... I'm sure the doctor would have told him there's a certain amount of time um, until he can take it off. And I'm sure he respected that and, and that's what he did. But like, I thought we'd see him with it forever. The same way we saw uh-huh. Petr Cech with his helmet forever. Honestly, I, it's almost disappointing to see him without it. You know, he looked like a superhero with that yeah. mask you know, and, the, and the yellow hair. Um, I did forget that he's a rather handsome man, Victor Rossiman. I, I forgot that man, since he, since he had the mask on. Yeah. I mean, with the mask, he just looks formidable, you know, he looks intimidating. And that's usually um, better when it comes to football. Mm. So it started off in the 33rd minute. Rahmani scored a nice header after a peach of a ball by Raspadori. However, VAR intervened and it was cancelled and ruled off for offside. Um, the most marginal offside in a while, man. Since Keynes, I would say. Keynes obviously takes the cake because that was (laughs) unreal. Um, it was interesting to see Gvaratskelia triple manned on many occasions. <laughs> that was a bit overkill, I mm. thought, but pure Gasparini fashion, that is. 
Um, Gvaratskelia scored the header to open the scoring in the 44th minute. Um, Di Lorenzo was left totally unpressed and Gvaratskelia was left unmarked. And I didn't think he could head the ball that well, but there we go. I believe he scored a header on his debut, if I'm not mistaken. Or was it his second goal? I think it was ah, his second goal. One of his goal. opening goals. In the I think it was, was his second header. goal. Good point. Good point, yeah. And then that screamer against Monza. Bro, yeah. Yeah, I mean, then Lukman scored a header afterwards, you know, another player who I, I didn't think had that in his locker. Hans Hattaba mm. played him the ball and Lukman just headed it in. And then in the 79th minute, there was a massive mistake by Karnasecki, who played the ball straight to a Napoli midfielder. And they slowly worked their way to Victor Oziman, who squared it to Elmas, who tapped it in. And that was enough to be the winning goal. Yeah, um, yeah I... I Personally, bro, so we start off, I haven't quite liked Backer as well. Uh-huh. He's been kind of slow to settle. And Gasparini did say that all the new signings are settling well. This was still in preseason, mm-hmm. except for Backer, who's still very behind. And it's clear. And at halftime, he did take him out and he brought on Ruggieri. Um, I just wonder what the logic was in actually starting Backer instead of Ruggieri, who's having a pretty good season. I would personally, yeah, like like you're saying, I would personally, firstly, start Ruggieri because what a young local talent to have um, in a left wing back role. And, and he's had good showings over there. Uh, but, you know, Gasparini, he likes to change things around. And you also know Gasparini, he likes to throw his players under the bus every mm-hmm. now and then. Does that have anything to do with how Bucker is settling? Maybe not every player has the same kind of... Um, means of motivation so if Gasparini if if he was in his head about taking a while to settle and then Gasparini makes that public it's like okay it's common knowledge now so just something in the training camp so could that possibly be something that that is on Bucker's mind keep in mind these are human beings at the end of the day and uh, to be honest bro um, honestly sometimes if it's not going well for a player just play him I guess. You know, um, he might find his footing. He might have a moment that gives him confidence in a game and it might change his entire trajectory of his season round. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't impressed at all. Um, the backer that we saw clips of before yeah. looked a lot more exciting than this version of a backer that we got. But of course, it's still early days. He's new to the league and he needs some time to settle. Maybe season two for him in Serie A will be his breakout season. We'll see. Plenty yep. of time left for Backer. Um, of course, the, the the talking point, the main talking point that I, I shouldn't have that I should have started with um, instead of Backer, but I was I want to talk about Backer immediately, <laughs> bro. Um, is Mazzari's Napoli? What's different? What's the same? So I have an observation. Yeah. Before we start, the team is very similar when it comes to the front three. In this case, Gvaratskelia, Spadori, and Politano, they had a lot of freedom. Yeah. A lot of freedom. The only two differences I noticed, which are massive differences, mm-hmm. right, was Napoli were tighter. Mm-hmm. The players were closer together. They're going to be, bro. And they're going to be gonna tighter, be. right? Um, you look at Rudy Garcia's Napoli, I felt like sometimes there was a bit too much space between the players and mm. it, they lost the fluidity. And for example, Lobotka couldn't thrive as he usually does um, in mm. that pivot because usually he has players very close to him yeah. that he can play to, you know, in Spalletti's system. With Rudy, he was a little bit isolated there in the middle. But now they're tight again. And defensively, I don't know if it was just a one-off, but they looked defensively sound, man. 
They look I mean, really good defensively. It wouldn't be the... Like, I think the two things that you just said basically go hand in hand. If you look yeah. at how Napoli were great defensively, it's not to say that the back four were so much better than they were under Rudy Garcia. Maybe they had a better showing in this game, sure. But I don't think two weeks of training um, under Mazzari has made the defense all that stronger. However, as a unit... Because they are now defending as a team and they are defending more tightly, mm-hmm. like the way the way you put it, they they operate in such a tight space off the ball, then that made them stronger defensively. I think the midfielders were putting in more of a shift defensively. Rather than more of a shift, they were positioned in a in a more defensive manner. You look at this unit, this four three three, and it was shifting as a whole throughout yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah, throughout yeah, this yeah. entire game. You saw the shape; it was never depleted, man, never depleted. It's cool because, like this, you kind of have a, a a tactician in Mazzari who's quite defensively. He's defensive minded, yeah. right? He's going to old set school. up exactly old sure. school. He's going to say, like he'd ideally play a three at the back, you know. But the thing is, he's got talented players up front to the point that he's going to have this well-drilled unit that's tough to penetrate with three animals up front, completely on the loose with maximum freedom and liberty. I think they're going to be fun to watch, and I think they might <laughs> they might come back. Huh? What's exciting is getting to see a manager who we are more recently used to seeing fighting for survival and doing this and that, being one of the old school, reliable Catanacho guys. Yeah. Now he's playing. He's having fun. He's yeah, with yeah. Napoli. He's got where he's got some world class players in his side. So now we get to see how good one of these old old school Italian managers can be when they have a top seven team at their arsenal. And maybe some other top seven teams, maybe who are struggling right now, maybe their manager might be on the way out, can take some ideas. Who knows? Yeah. Well, honestly, maybe Ballardini at Milan. <laughs> can you imagine? Ballardini coming with his beanie and his sunglasses, playing five at the back. You I'm know. all for it. Fuck it. You know, Leao Pulisic up front, everyone else at the back. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, Atalanta needed a goal badly. So, what did Gasperini do? He waited till the 83rd minute and he brought on Skamaka and Muriel together. It's Voto. Um, why wait so long? You conceded your goal in the 79th. Was he okay with a draw? Did he think that Lookman and Decay Talare were fine up until that moment? I, I don't know, to be honest. I, I, look, Lookman, I, I understand that he wanted to keep him on the pitch for as long as sure. possible because, firstly, he got a goal, so he was in, in good spirits. Secondly, when it's a tight game, it's great having a striker like Lookman. Why? Because if you need him to run down the clock, he can run down the clock. If you need him to attack and be direct, he can attack and be direct. If you need him to take it to the corner flag, he can do that. He's one of those guys that you could even bring on in the latter stages of a match for you to keep a result. The Ketelare, but... Like, fucking hell. Like, he should have taken him out, in my opinion. When he needed a goal, which was from the... Well, he conceded in the 79th minute, to be fair. And he made the double sub right then. So I don't even think he was going to bring on those strikers originally. I, I would have brought on Skamaka earlier. Because even yeah. Skamaka, as as a player, 
it's not to say the KTLR is much more mobile than Skamaka. I, I would go as far to say that, that Skamaka is much more of a powerhouse than <laughs> the KTLR. <laughs> and we've seen him roar. like. <laughs> um, even the fact that, okay, it was a high-intensity game. You're 1-1. Let's say it's the 60th minute, 65th minute. Okay, I get it. Lukman's a good player, right? But you look at the, the things that Muriel is going to bring you and, and what Lukman is going to bring you. They're quite similar nowadays. Yeah. Um, Muriel has, has improved again. He dipped a lot last season, but this year he's looking a little bit better. He's looking more like the old Muriel that we kind of know. Not the super sub who no. comes on and scores every game, but kind of a, a neutral, watered-down version, yeah. version of that. Um, I think he, it would have been good for Gasprini to bring on some options up front to press the Napoli back line with some energy because that's the Atalanta that we're used to, you know? High-intensity pressing, forcing mistakes and scoring goals. And it seems like they've moved so far away from that now that, like, you know, again, you look at the wings, they don't... You don't have anyone explosive on the wings anymore. You've got Bakker and Zappacosta. Yeah. You know, it's slow. Mm-hmm. It's lethargic. It takes a while. They've know. lost a lot of their bite, man. They and have, and man. I feel like, I don't know, but Skamaka, them signing Skamaka was them trying to get some of that bite back. And just yeah. when, when he's not on the pitch, it's, they're, they're no longer lions. They're, they're cats. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're no longer that formidable side. They'll give everyone a game, but they, they've got no qualities that you could say, yep, Atalanta will beat us because they are better than us at this. You know? Atalanta really struggle against the top teams. And that's a problem. Um, Gasperini said the following, okay, I quoted him over here. Mm. Unfortunately, some incidents prevent us from raising the bar. Despite the fact that we play overall at the same level as teams like Inter, Napoli and Juventus, when this team shakes off some of its fears, they really cause problems to the opposition. So what he's saying over here, Gasperini is again, like the players are scared when they play big teams. Mm. And that is what holds them back from actually getting a result. Um, he says that when they play without any fear against the smaller teams, they play incredibly. And we, we see this every yeah. week. They often blow teams out of the water. They look super organized and super good. But it's true. There is a mental block when it comes to Atalanta and these bigger teams. And, and I think there is some work to do, to, to be done with the squad. I think that when it comes to Gasperini's system, for example, as we said, more explosive wingers, man. Like yeah. Dumfries would be good here. <laughs> you know what literally. I mean? Like you put, put Dumfries on the right, man. He needs to fucking yeah. charge up and down for this Atalanta team. This was a team that took advantage on high intensity, man. Mm. They caused so many problems to opposition because of high intensity. And it seems that they've lost it. Even if you look at their starting eleven, as simple as that. I mean, Kolasinac new, Bucker new. They're finding their feet. De Ketelare new and fragile because he had uh, his debut season last season for Milan after Milan splashed thirty-five million on him. Um, he had a, a, a dreadful debut season, and now he's at Atalanta, um, and he's still figuring himself out. Pasalic has struggled significantly yeah. over the past two seasons. I forgot to mention he scored this game. It was a 1-2, but he was offside. Okay, Pasalic. Yes. Yeah. Um, Pasalic is, is finding his feet again. Mm-hmm. Jim City spent a lot of time injured last season. Yeah. Uh, Karne Secchi is obviously their new starting keeper ahead of Musso. Nowadays, yeah. he's still finding his feet. He was obviously um, uh, at Cremonese. 
last year. So these are a lot of players, not only a lot of new players, but, but a lot of maybe inconsistent players. It's not always their fault. Some had been out injured, some were at different teams, so on and so forth. So I, I, I am I I'm not crazy about Atalanta's starting lineup. Uh, look, I I I look at Atalanta's starting lineup and I think it's actually it's quite solid, right? Um, maybe not for top four, but it's it's quite solid. I look at their midfield, for example, and I look at Coop Miners. Coop Miners is top three in his position. Yeah, league, for, for sure. sure. Like, for sure. Um, you look at Ederson this season; he's been fantastic. He's right? been good. So in the middle, you have that. You've got Skamaka; he's been good. He had like minutes to goals. He was one of the leading players when it comes to conversion mm. xG. Um, Lookman, fantastic as well. The back three, all right. It's Colasin. Actually, to be honest, he's fit in like a glove. It's like he's been mm. there for ages. Jim City and Scalvini, very good as well. The goalkeeper is new, young, and shaky. However, the thing that um, the, the wings, man. It's yeah. th- that's it. That's it. It's it's as simple as that. The wings are not too standard. They're you don't standard. think maybe the the balance in the midfield could be a little bit better. Maybe the they need are three are three players who are so versatile they can play in every position pretty much. I know that that, was... that sometimes causes problems. Yeah, when there isn't that fucking system in place. But remember, they were missing the rune as well, huh? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about this side. Ah, this, the, this, this side. This side. Yeah, the yeah. fact you mentioned Skamaka, and I'm like, yeah, but he's not there. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what makes me happy about what? this Atalanta team? What? Who's wearing the captain's armband, bro? Scalvini, bro. Fucking Scalvini, dog. Yeah. How Scalvini's like 19? Yeah, 19, 19 years old. 19. The captain's armband. That's great. Shout out Scalvini. And by the way, El Bilal Traore. Mm-hmm. He's practicing his headers in the pool we saw on Instagram Ooh. story. He's on his way back. He's working. Mm. He's coming back. I wonder what he's going to be like because he's their record signing. I'm so curious. Like he's their record signing and they've brought in Skamaka. I took him for one credit on Fanta. He might be. He might. Credit. But but he now uh, he's going to get better and go to Afcon. <laughs> Same as Ozyman, man. Like he's better now. Now now he'll go to Afcon. That's that's why you have to be careful on Fanta with these Afcon players, bro. But anyway, yes, um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to point out from this game, bro. No, not particularly. I think we got it all, bro. Yeah, um, Muriel had a penalty appeal at the end of the game. I mean, he he ended up kicking Elmas, though. That was what the replay showed. Mm. Uh, there was smart positioning by Elmas, putting himself between the man, the ball and the man um, in order to dispossess Muriel. Muriel kicked him, fell to the floor, proclaiming penalty. And he's like, mm. no, it's not, no penalty. <laughs> he kicked me. But granted, the player put himself between Muriel yeah. and the ball. Very yeah. smart over there. Uh, Elmas, it was. And yeah, um, yeah, that's it for this one. So right now, Napoli find themselves in fourth with 24 points, while Atalanta are down in seventh with 20 points. I believe you have the next game as well for us, brother. Oh, yes. Milan won, <laughs> oh. Fiorentina. Oh, yes. <laughs> Milan won, Fiorentina nil is the game. And Jake is the name. So <laughs> we've got a 4-2-3-1 formation for Pioli as usual. Business as usual at the back this time. It was Reinders and Pobega in the middle. Um, Samuel Chukweze started on the right wing. Pulisic on the left wing. Musa in the attacking midfield position with Luka Jovic up front. Who, congratulations, has taken his first shot wearing a Milan shirt this game. 
coming in. To the, honestly, after halftime, I told Jake, have we seen Jovic touch the ball for Milan yet? Have we seen it? The answer is yes, but it's an exaggeration of you know what I love, how man? quiet he Every is. time Pioli talks about Jovic, he goes, ah, he can play football. <laughs> like, is that really? Is that I saw like, a glimpse. Huh? I, uh, I saw a glimpse against Dortmund. Uh, he can play. He, ah, you, you're actually <laughs> saying saw, yourself. Yes. I, I saw a glimpse he against looked, Dortmund. He was really like... He was not positioned to get a good header away and he got a very powerful header away for a good save from the keeper. You know that pissed me off? Him playing well against Dortmund? Because it's Champions League stage. It's because he was playing well because the pressure was almost off because Milan had already lost. (laughs) Right? He came on. Milan had lost quite frankly already it was like 3-1 I think when he came on come on don't be a pessimist and no man no. he no, came no, no, on no. and he fought he man. came on he fought sure but there was no pressure in reality because the game was over no like he could I, score I granted he could but with Milan weren't going to score three you know it wasn't like it was 1-1 or Milan were losing 1-0 and he needed to equalize or he needed to score the winner Chaka Traore on the left yeah exactly um, and then when you see, you see him in the league I, I in situations where, where the score is nil-nil or 1-1 one, one or Milan are losing 1-0, he doesn't do anything. No, but anyway, that might, that, might be, that might be harsh. But, but anyway, nonetheless, moving on to Fiorentina. It's a 4-2-3-1 as well, mirroring it. And they were pretty much full flow, to be honest. It was Duncan and Arthur in the middle. Um, Sotil was out on the left with Bonaventura mm-hmm. as a track artist. Gonzalez on the right and Beltran getting the nod ahead of Inzola up front. Um, even though Italiano is not sure about either of them nowadays. Um, the highlight of this game and the talking point and the news headlines were all about 15-year-old Camarda who came off the bench. Why was he the headline? Because he's 15 years old. He's the youngest ever Serie uh, player in history. Um, a I child. Believe, a literal child. I believe he um, broke Amy's record, who was given um, the, his... his Amy? Amy. Why Amy do you was need to bring surname. her into this <laughs> Jesus. That's his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> um, yeah, Amy was a player at Bologna, and Mihailovic gave him his debut, basically. But yes, um, there's a hilarious video of Kamarda getting on the team bus. And of course, when you're 15, you know, you're 15. Like, let's be real. How how much experience do you have in the world? Not much uh, at no. all. Like, you've barely been speaking. You're barely conscious yeah, at 15. Exactly. Man. And so he was the first one to get on the team bus. And there were the fans all around the room. Hey, Kamarda! And he just didn't go on the team bus. And he went straight to the fans, started shaking his hands. And I was like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> Like you're meant to just get on the bus, you know, but he was so excited. Um, uh, another funny one. That is, was cute, man. It was, cute. was cute. Another funny one is that he was too shy to ask the club for tickets for his parents. Really? So he went to the Milan store with his dad and he bought the tickets from there with his dad. Come on. That. <laughs> that's, that's another funny one. His parents were at the stadium. There's a viral video of them crying um, and the father looks so proud. The mother's in tears. It's lovely to see. Um, and there was one more thing about Camarda Mania that I must be forgetting. Ah, yes, and he was at San Siro in the Champions League, um, yeah, filming the live streaming the the curva. Man, when 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 he came on and they shouted his name, yeah, Kamarda, exactly, you could, you could see his face. I think I have a theory as to why he was brought on, bro. Tell me, because there's no logic in bringing on a 15 year old boy for 15 minutes in a must win game against Fiorentina, right? Mm. There's maybe no I'm. Lubing him up a year, bit, like think, think him about a... it. You're talking about one of the 
biggest clubs in the world in Milan with two strikers and you're talking exactly yes <laughs> but then you look at their entire system there are players registered at Milan who are older than Camardo who can play striker. yeah 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 and worst case scenario in that you can play a player who maybe isn't a natural striker but mm. you can pop him in there to fill in the role right because he's experienced he's fully developed mm. unlike a 15 year old boy but I think that since Camarda is so special and because there were all these links to Man City, to all these these German teams with great youth structure and all mm. this, Milan wanted to give him a reason to stay. I think Milan wanted to make him obsessed with Milan. Feel I think the they San wanted Zero. they wanted to give him a taste of San Siro, dude. Mm. And how are you going to do that? You bring him on. You have all the fans screaming his name. You get him going on the team bus, joining the players, training with Rafael Leao and all these guys. And granted, he had been training with them. Um, but but I, I do think that that's the reason yeah. why Camarda was brought on this game. Simply for him to pen that contract. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a good point. They could also be putting up his value yeah. <laughs> as, as well. They want, they want a new record, no? Yeah, I was quite sure that Fiorentina had some injuries to their team, but looking at it, they seem to be ah, not at, at full flow. Pretty much, bro, pretty much full flow. Um, the There were quite a few X's this game. There were Jovic and Jack Bonaventura who spent mm-hmm. six seasons at Milan. For Milan, of course, the Giroud, Leao, Okafor, Benasser out, everyone is out. Um, and there was an interesting quote by a Fiorentina player on Vincenzo Italiano. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch who the player was. However, what he said stuck with me. He said, the coach is crazy, but he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> that, that's a perfect way to put it. You can tell Italiano, he's yeah. a little bit crazy. Mm. Um, also, sorry, I keep talking about everything except the game, bro. But this is <laughs> this is very important, all right? Did you see the video on Milan's social media of the admin of TikTok was asking Milan players to show their wallpapers? Ah, yes, bro. bro. Yes, yes. What the hell is Chukwes's wallpaper? <laughs> they were like, "Can we see your wallpaper?" <laughs> no, no, no. Like, what the hell is your wallpaper? If you don't want to show it, it's probably. A picture of himself (laughs) or a very provocative photo from his woman. Maybe, maybe. I found that really funny though. I was was like, what the hell is his wallpaper? (laughs) Yeah, the first chance of the game, let's talk about football a bit, came in the 22nd minute. It was quite a cagey affair up until that point. It was Pulisic who had a snapshot. Tomori was brilliant this game. Manian was really dramatic. He was making good saves, granted, but every time he would stay down, um, he would, you know how he is. And apparently after the game, at the end of the game, there was a shot close range. Mm. Should have been the winner. Like Manian, eagle Mike, you know, arms wide open, the ball smacks him in the face and goes out like, what a save. Granted, it was with your your face, but he's so brave. Like, what a save. So he does that, right? He had been rolling around the floor all game, right? And I, like that's not enough for him, the headlines, not to say that oh, Mike Manian suffered so much this game, but he came out as a hero at the end. No, mm. he came out, he was like, you know, I had fever. <laughs> man, can I tell you? You had fever as well, Mike. <laughs> Mike, man, great goalkeeper. Okay, maybe if you look at his performance against Dortmund, questionable. Um, fantastic goalkeeper, massive upgrade from, from Donnarumma. But since the negotiations, I've been seeing his attitude, man. You know what I mean? And it's like, firstly, he's asking for 10 million a season. 
which is like something like that. Yeah. Relax. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, I'm just rounding it up around 10 mm. million a season he's asking for. What's with the heart attacks? Every time he does something, he, he's down on the ground for fucking five, six minutes, man. I it, don't know. I, I don't think know even with his whole portierata cante thing, he, <laughs> like he, he just wants to be the main character. Yeah. Like sometimes he tries to ping balls forward. It's just like sometimes let's play the ball out from the back. Don't always try to get it to Leao or don't always try to get it to Giroud. Let's, let's get the defenders involved, play it to Teo, play it to Calabria, something. Yeah, sometimes his, his decisions and, and the way he is pisses me off man yeah look I think drama queen is the best way to put it to be Perfect. honest yeah a little bit of drama Perfect. queen um, Theo Hernandez had a few moments where his controller disconnected and he just lost <laughs> the ball at the back um, Parisi gave away a penalty on Theo Hernandez and that's what eventually led to the goal this was in, at the end of the first half in the 46th minute um, Parisi essentially just pushed Theo to the ground who looked to be clean through Theo stepped up took the penalty and scored it let's play a game Guess how many touches Jovic had in the first half? In five. Oh, I hate when you do that. Seven. <laughs> <That's> seven. <laughs> um, in the 48th minute, there was a little bit of confusion as Chukweze almost scored a header. And while it was showing the replay, the ball, the, the, the angle, the camera angle just cut and Beltran's one on one. Aye, he took a yes. really heavy touch. <laughs> Manian dove out and saved it again. Okay, Manian, fantastic again. Um, Beltran, terrible touch. That's what yeah. he's meant to have that Inzola doesn't have. That yeah. kind of sharp, refined edge. Exactly. While Inzola is more like pace and power. And these are yeah. Italiano's words, not mine. Um, yeah, in the 60th minute. And then eventually um, Pulisic was subbed out for Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who played behind the striker, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. And then, of course, the game continued. Fiorentina kept trying to create chances. Camarda came on. Ian Mike, Magic Mike, the eagle, massive save at the end. And then Jovic got his first shot for Milan. Congratulations to him. Congratulations. And that was pretty much the game. Um, After the game, Italiano was freaking furious. He said, I don't know if it's talent, ferocity or determination. But we cannot go home without scoring a goal. And this was, of course, after all the chances that Fiorentina had yeah. had against Milan. They had an XG of over two goals. Okay. Um, and you can look at Beltran's body language when he was substituted. He had just missed his mm. best chance in Serie A so far. I think yeah, that ball. Probably. Um, his first touch ruined it and Mike saved the day. Um, what do you think it is, this problem with Fiorentina not being able to score in some games and not being able to serve as the strikers and their strikers always seem to be misfiring? Is it a coincidence when you look at Cabral, Jovic, Inzola, Beltran? All these guys are misfiring. I mean, it's the discontinuity up front. Eh? You see, up until two seasons ago, Piontek was there. Cabral yeah. was there. Just before that, keep in mind, just before that, Vlaovic, Vlaovic left in January. Yeah. Ever since then, it's like they haven't really given a striker a lot of time to get used to the system and a lot of time to find their confidence and to make matters worse. In fact, this is why I was pleased with their signing of Inzola. But they sign from overseas a lot. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing in players like Beltran. They're bringing in players like Cabral. These guys. And they need to, they brought in Piontek, who was overseas at that time. He had a, to be honest, he had a short stint mm-hmm. in, in Italy, Piontek. He had one year, almost two years. 
and they never they never give them time to settle in. Now, yeah. obviously, if, if their performances aren't up to par, then you're not gonna give them time. But now, if like they they've got Beltran, they've got Inzola, and and, and they could be patient with them I, because they know they've got two players of high quality. I don't know about that. I don't know about two players of high quality. I I'm sure Beltran is a high quality player. Um, his numbers at River Plate were very good, and you can see flashes of of technical excellence when it comes to him. I think Enzola was the wrong profile for Fiorentina to go for. For Fiorentina, potentially yes, but they have two different strikers, you know. Yes, true, they have two different strikers. Granted, but one of them's coming from South America. He's gonna need time to settle in to European yeah. football to Italian football. Um, until then, until he settles in, if this guy doesn't hit the ground running, you're gonna have to rely on Enzola. And what is Enzola? Enzola is a is a striker that thrives on a in a counter attacking side that mm. requires him to hold up play while the midfielders advance because that's what he is, that's what he was at Spezia and and that's what he, everything he did good everything that made people praise him the few games he had where mm. he scored and where he played well that's exactly what he was doing he was holding up play in the middle no one could dispossess him he was waiting for the runners and and servicing his teammates um, with Fiorentina he's doing a lot of waiting in the box. It's going to take some settling because what you said first of him holding up play, feeding the players behind him, for example, Nico Gonzalez, Bonaventura, Sotil. But, but Fiorentina aren't often counter-attacking. That's the point. Their style with Italiano is very heavily possession-based. Yes, but if you have, for for example, Giroud at Milan, who's Uh great with his back towards goal. No, I'm not comparing their technicality um. naturally but it's it's what Inzola can bring to Fiorentina is quite similar to what Giroud can do at Milan in that sense that he's got talented players behind him now whether they're playing counter-attacking or whether they're playing controlling football if they find the striker and the striker with his back towards goal finds one of the runs coming in um, from one of his teammates Gonzalez, Bonaventura, Sotil again quality players it it can work it's just in Zola's quite inconsistent. That's it again. And he was inconsistent at Spezia, man. I mean, I'll never forget his breakout season at Spezia, where he was scoring in the first half of the season like a maniac. January market comes along. I splash all my credits on fantasy football to bring in in Zola. And he didn't score a single goal in the second half of the I'd season. I'd react, but guys, you have no idea how many times. <laughs> I've I've heard that he's been sold. I think I've said it on this podcast before. Actually, <laughs> Alan and Andy would know. Um, we've had, bro. There was Luca on Twitter. Is in our point five percent. Yes, listeners. what a guy! He must have listened to every episode. Literally, like, literally, yeah. and even Alan's listened to everything. Even mm, Andy, I was saying you've listened to like f- almost five thousand minutes of of me and you speaking That's throughout twenty twenty three. That's mental. Absolutely crazy. One tactical observation I made about Milan this game. Normally, when it's Leo and Theo playing, Leo attacks the byline and Theo cuts inside, right? Yeah. However, this time it was Pulisic cutting inside and Theo attacking the byline. Yes, and there was finally also some cover for Theo when he, when he was uh, bombing forward. Pulisic's industry is something that will not be undermined because he, he puts in a shift defensively as well, man. Yeah, totally. Um, Pioli admitted to having def- to defend deep in the second half. He said that it was a, uh, for three reasons, right? The desire for three points, the current state of the squad, and the fact that Milan hadn't won in four games. He prioritized a pragmatic approach to get 
the victory basically and one nil clean sheet very good for Milan over there yeah yeah, good win, good win. Yeah, um, I would also like to address because it happened and you've probably seen it. Milan lost to Dortmund in the Champions League three one, um, and they currently need to beat Newcastle away from home, and Dortmund need to be- beat PSG at home for Milan to qualify for the Champions League. Um, and this is Matthew's favorite thing, right? When when I start saying, you know, if this 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 and this when happened. it's out of our hands, I don't care anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not gonna hope for a miracle and say because this. Is gonna happen this is gonna happen fuck this false hope Milan are out of the Champions League would you rather have them in third or fourth Jake answer me now would you rather have Milan in the Europa League or no European competition give me the Europa League bro Thursday nights are Europa nights it would be exciting because when Ben Asser is back and when Milan have got some of their flow back and they've got the injured players back they can actually compete in the Europa League but after the start, I would not mind focusing on the league. Yeah, I, would I not mean, mind that at I all. mean, it's it's going terribly right now. The injuries are absolutely <laughs> fucking devastating. Uh-huh. They're relentless. Chao is injured. Everyone's now. in Chao. Chao is in crutches. Like it's it's fucked. Everyone. Krunic so was playing center yeah. back against. Chaka Traore was brought on as our solution on the wing, and what the fifteen-year-old in yeah. this game, Jake? <laughs> the fifteen-year-old playing. It's it's it's. Ridic, redon. Yeah, it's but, it's really bad, and I don't know, but something needs to be done about it, man. Someone needs to be questioned because these this amount of injuries is not normal, and it's not like Milan play a super high high gegen press kind of squad f- system like Liverpool used to do or like Atalanta used to do when they would rotate their entire team. It's this fuck, is a possession based system, and that's meant to be not too strenuous on the, on the body, but whatever. They have to figure it out because it's bad. Yeah. It's bad and it's dangerous, man. Players should be scared to come to uh-huh. play for Milan. But good win moment. against Fiorentina. Good win against Full Fiorentina. Full Fiorentina. Yes. Milan decimated, but they managed to get three A very points. immature victory. Yes. Um, Milan are in third with 26 points, while Fiorentina are in eighth with 20 points. Fuck Roma. Fuck Lazio. We're going to do Empoli Sassuolo now. But, 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 how, how can we not? Empoli 3, Sassuolo 4. I'm surprised we didn't put this game first. The Tuscans were fresh off of a shock victory away to Napoli, but still missing Baldanzi and Petzella. Sassuolo started with Torzvet at Trequartista ahead of Bayrami, who was on the bench, and the Neroverdi were without a win in six rounds coming into this game. To open the scoring, it was Ciccio Caputo through a penalty kick, which was won um, following Viti clumsily bringing down Cambiaghi. Caputo scores against his former team. Just eight minutes later, Pinamonti headed in a Lauriente cross to bring things level for Sassuolo. Goal against the X, once again. Sassuolo went one up in the 21st minute uh, after a Henrique header after a good cross by Tolian. It's good to see Henrique scoring after he had been injured for so long. Fazzini equalized on the half hour mark. I think it's, it's 2-2 after 30 minutes. Fazzini equalized on the half hour mark, slotting in well to the bottom corner from just outside the area, leaving Consigli rooted to the spot. A lot of defensive cluster fucks leading up to that moment as well, if I'm going to be completely blunt and honest. And then Sassuolo regained the lead through a Berardi penalty where he sent Berisha the wrong way. Um, uh, the penalty was, uh, was given away by Cancellari on Tolian. 
moments later in the 80th minute, because now we're, we're in the second half, by the way, guys, uh, Berardi almost gave Sassuolo a cushion, a two-goal advantage in the 80th minute as did this wicked shot cross from distance which hit the far post. It would have been a spectacular goal. In the 85th, Empoli got the equaliser, making it 3-3 after some confusion and mayhem where Giassi hit the crossbar. Um, and Kovalenko took a strike, he rebounded it um, into the back of the net, but it was helped over the line by Sassuolo defender, of course, Vinya. Even when... They just always need to score an own goal, Sassuolo. No, <laughs> no like, this was it. going in. Just, ah! <laughs> can't sit in. It must be their initiation or something. Hey, hey, you have to score an own goal. Um, some people think it was Kovalenko's goal. I think it was a, a, an own goal and that's how it went down. Keep in mind, Kovalenko was the guy that scored the winner against Napoli a couple of weeks ago. And then in the 91st minute, Berardi got his second of the night and he got the winner for Sassuolo, making it 4-3 as his volley at the far post on his weaker right foot deflected in of Libby Kakace. The cross was provided by Vinya, who redeemed himself for the own goal. <sighs> this was a game. I mean, in, in football, there are, there are chess games where you look at, for example, I don't even want to use Juventus as an example because... It, they, they were a bit almost lackadaisical um, mm-hmm. with, with their performance, almost just fear. But there are chess matches, low-scoring chess matches. If you look at mm-hmm. Milan-Juve 2003 Champions League final, one of the most entertaining nil-nils you'll ever see. Okay, yeah. there were some great saves, some good dribbles and, and, and this and that, a lot of iconic moments, but a true midfield battle. And that, to me, is entertaining as fuck, even if there are no goals. Yeah. That is the Floyd Mayweather for every Floyd Mayweather, and then there's a Mike Tyson. A Mike Tyson that comes out swinging, bro, if you're going to hit me, fuck it, I'm going to hit you back. My style is impregnable. <laughs> My beauty is impetuous. Praise be to Allah. <laughs> bro, there's no one like Mike Tyson. No, bro, no. what are you talking no. about? No, no one, like no one. And, and fuck now... Fuck you in your ass, boy. <laughs> Fuck you till you love me. <laughs> Bleep. Bleep. <laughs> um, now he's got his he's shit. Still chill. Podcast. Now he's on he's podcast. Just, like, he's eating mushrooms. Like, like I, want, mushroom. I want to hug him. Like, yeah. you know what? I mean, this guy's bitten someone's fucking ear off. Like, but yeah. whatever. But he said he was deeply insecure back then. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. This was a boxing match. This was two Tysons. <laughs> the two Tysons of Syria. In Empoli and Sassuolo. <laughs> just going, beating each other. Just, just beating the shit out of each other. Just just yeah. not looking at their defensive duties at all. Everyone going forward. It was an entire cluster. Fuck. This is the kind of game that, that noobs enjoy. <laughs> that, that noobs say, wow, football is actually a, a beautiful sport. Yeah, I mean, it lapses in defensive concentration combined with high-intensity pressing because that's what these two teams do. You know, when you look yeah. at Cambiaghi, Cancellari, Caputo, they're going to press you, you know, particularly the the mm. two Cs on the wing. Um, Sassuolo, a high-intensity side as well. Maybe not as much the season, but, but they do have the ability to press their opponent. And many errors were forced and it led to this incredible shootout at three o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, and pretty much what you said, so it's not a surprise to see Sassuolo score a lot of goals, particularly against a side like Empoli, but I do think it was, despite their defensive woes, I I, I think it's good to see Empoli being so free-flowing and and taking a a game like this on the chin and getting three goals. 
yeah. in this game because if you look earlier on in the season, they hadn't scored a single goal, bro, in, in like their opening five, six matches, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe. So yeah. really, really good to see. I mean, and you know, there was, um, okay, one, one of them was an own goal, but Fazzini getting a good goal, um, Caputo scoring from the spot. They were um, opportunistic in this game. Yes, and they massively outscored their XG as well, which was 1.41. Both teams actually massively outscored their XG. Um, Sassuolo with an XG of 2.36, if you care about that statistic. Personally, I like that statistic. I I like XG. Uh It's it's always interesting. Well, I was going to say Gen Z. Gen Z. Um, But it does suck when you score three goals and you get absolutely no points. But of course, um, who other than Domenico Berardi to win it for Sassuolo in the 91st minute? What a player, what a hero. He's honestly, at this point, we're talking Toto Di Natale level. Yes, yeah. Do, here's my question. Yeah. Is he going to try force his way out in January or is he going to wait till the end of the season? I don't know. He's already tried to force his way out. Um, you know, to I mean, Juve last summer, for those uh-huh. of you that don't know. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think he'll, he'll try to do it again mid-season. I think he's too... Professional for that. It's one thing if you try to force yourself your way out in the summer and it doesn't quite go to plan and you miss the first game or two of the season. Like, God, yeah. it's not ideal for your captain, but, but he has definitely been a soldier for them. And I think mm-hmm. maybe it is time for them to let him spread his wings elsewhere. Um, but I don't think he's the type to do it halfway through the season. I might be mistaken, but, but we'll see. Yeah, some people, some people surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to highlight Fatsini, not only because of his goal, but also because of his industry throughout this match. He was attacking, he was defending, he had a good performance over here. Um, you like Boloka? I like Boloka. I like, I like Boloka. He's very, he's a good little player. Um, Cancellari, I haven't, he, he used to excite me, country Larry, when he used to feature uh, for Verona and when he used to feature for Lazio. He has picked up a little bit with Andrea Zoli. And mm. you can see what he what he's all about. He doesn't do it consistently. He definitely doesn't do it every game. Yeah. But he um he's he's quite a powerhouse when he gets driving. Like he mm-hmm. has a, he's very hard to dispossess once he gains momentum. Yeah. That's what he is. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's and he's true. and he's quite quite nifty as well as quick feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you highlighted Boloka as well. You highlighted him. You asked me if I like him. I do like him. Um, and also like Henrique. I oh, think yeah. losing Maxime Lopez is devastating. Devastating mm-hmm. because he was everything for this team. He was the metronome. Um, so it's not easy to cope without him. Am I saying these guys are perfect and they're bringing the balance back, so on and so forth? No, but but they're showing hints of promise. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's put it that way. Um, they're, they're, they're two good players. Henry and Boloka mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. That's enough from my end about this game. I sure. think this is a game you watch the highlights and you've watched the majority <laughs> yeah. of the game, yeah. considering you could probably find 90-minute long highlights of, of, of all the goals and, and chances um, that there were in this game. Sassuolo find themselves in 14th on 15 points, while Empoli is still in the relegation zone uh, in 18th place on 10 points, however level with Cagliari, who are in 17th. Fantastic, bro. Um, which means we should probably move on to Salernitana Lazio, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Se quale la squadra del mi cuore? 
Si que lo so el Salernitana. That's a nice little chant that they have there. I need to go see them. They can't put a foot wrong. Salernitana. When, when it comes to these chants, like the, the Bulaya Dia one, the Tifos and this and that. Yeah, Fuck me, they're lost. I hate how they're lost. They're it's my least favorite thing in the this world. This year right we now. go up and we see them, bro. We yes. have to go up and watch them in Salerno. Like we make a trip out. Uh-huh. We'll Let's for the wait weekend. to see how the season progresses. Because if we could watch them in a fucking relegation decider, oh bro, my God. at home, woof. that would be great. Huh? Yeah, but we have to make that happen. So for this game against Lazio, um, Filippo Ponzaghi's men were missing Ochoa and Bulaedia. Two of their best players. They're probably two best players, right? Yeah. Um, Costil and the Iquemezi stepped in instead of them. Costil, of course, is a 36-year-old goalkeeper who looks like Giroud. Uh, Iquemezi is the 22-year-old Nigerian who scored against Sampdoria and the 4-0 Coppa Italia victory. Mm. I was a bit pissed that we didn't see Simi instead of Iquemezi. We saw Simi, bro. We saw Simi while you were in in Australia. I believe it was the match day before this one. Um, he came on. Rub it in, bro. He, <laughs> bro, he came on and he was absolutely dreadful. Really? Bro, nothing went <sighs> his way. He was terrible. And it was so sad to watch because he couldn't control a single ball. Um, he looked out of He's place. He's one of those players, bro, that when he has a bad game, he, he looks, looks shit. Terrible. He looks like <laughs> yeah. he never played yeah. football before. You know what I mean? <laughs> fact. Because of his stature. Fact, I was like, a big fan of him from Serie B. Yes. Right? Uh, and you see him, he's, he's kind of a poacher. And in that league, he, he thrived. And when he came to Serie A with Crotone, I was telling everyone, like, oh, Simeon Wanko, Simeon Wanko. And I took him on fantasy football. And in the first half of the season, he was terrible. He scored a few penalties because his penalties mm. are very good. He does a slow mm. run up and everything. But he was terrible. I let go of him in January. Mm. Here you, we go again. You and the Are you ready? I, I let go of him in January. Brought him in Zola. Simi scored 20 goals that season for Crotone. <laughs> One of the highest scoring Africans in Serie yeah, yeah, top, top three. three. With, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Romagnoli and Chasale were out for Lazio with Gila and Patrick stepping in. Fun fact about Gila and Patrick. Um, Gila's Patrick's second best friend behind Spongebob. Gila is a 23-year-old former Real Madrid player, while yes. Patrick, we all know Patrick, is a former Barcelona player. So oh, these oh. are yeah, um, two ex-rivals coming, <laughs> coming together. Luis Alberto, of course, was um, suspended for this one. So they lined up with a midfield. So they lost. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Guendouzi, Cataldi and Kamada. And before, Sarri had said that um, it's a shame that Kamada and Luis Alberto are so similar because they can't actually play together. So this was a good opportunity against Salernitana for Kamada to show what he's all about and to show like listen I'm playing in my position now Mm. Um, I'm the offensive outlet right now I'm the midfield playmaker it's all about me this game Mm. well Sarri said all that Sarri said surprised he didn't have an asthma (laughs) Sarri just said that they can't play together basically Mm. the rest was actually me (laughs) now Kondreva and the Mobile were the first captains of uh, this match day to grab the mic and speak out against domestic violence um, it was very windy. Gwenduzi's hair was going mental. You can tell it's windy just by looking at Gwenduzi. So how, right. how was the weather outside? Everyone needs a Gwenduzi out on their balcony. <laughs> take a look at them. Oh, it's windy. I see it. Yeah. East winds today. Gwenduzi is your index finger when you suck it and put it out of the window to see where the wind is coming from. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, I think he's also Sideshow Bob. He's Sideshow yeah. Bob from The Simpsons. Salernitana grew into the game. 15 minutes in, they were exposing the gap between the defense and the midfield, particularly at the edge of the box. Lazio took about 28 minutes to come to life this game. Salernitana still looked more dangerous. However, the, the standout performers for me this game were Kandreva and Bohinen. For Oof. me, Bohinen was so good. I, I I'd never seen him play like this man before mm. for Salernitana. Super game. Um, Gyomber had a very mixed half the first half especially the great interception mm. but then he gave away a penalty really badly mm-hmm. which was of course converted by Chiro Immobile and then he got a yellow card in the 42nd minute and shortly after deserved a second yellow like it was a clear second yellow but I think the ref mm. didn't give it because he had just booked him for the yellow which should never be the case mm. if it's a second yellow it should totally be a second mm. yellow but he somehow got away with it he rushed the player so stupidly for someone who had just I been remember. booked it was so stupid yeah um, that, that, that that would piss off a couple of Lazio fans uh, that, that's devastating because if you're 1-0 up and Salernitana your opponents are dead last in the league I've got a red card Job done. Job done, bro. Job done. Yeah. Um, Immobile, to his credit, timed his run to perfection um, to win the penalty. A nice cold finish. Great work by him in general. Um, was very impressed by him coming off the bench against Celtic as well, scoring two goals in the Champions League to shoot um, Lazio up their group table. Um, they're looking good now to qualify. Um, Castanos scored the man from Cyprus in the 55th minute. Um, Bohinen was very good in the build-up play. And um, eventually he was there to tap it home. It was funny seeing Inzaghi watching this goal take place. And he couldn't help himself but kick, you know. When the ball was loose, you see Inzaghi kicking. Like his instincts are still there. You know, he wanted to score that goal. Um, in the 61st, Zakani, who was in doubt for this game, went off injured. Poor him. And then in the 66th minute it happened. There was a free kick. It was played to Kandreva who took a shot. Two players were charging. Um, he shot between them from out of the area. The box, the ball was just swerving and curling centrally, but spinning, you know, like where the hell is it going to go? And it rockets its way into the back of the net. So that was a rule of the Lex goal, so he didn't quite celebrate. He, he loves a goal against Lazio. He scored a banger at the Olympico last year as well, man. He loves a goal against big clubs, especially the Milan clubs as well. He scored that yeah. goal against Inter where everyone, it was a cross. Like He scored against Milan for Inter in front of my very eyes that game that Sousa yeah. scored two goals. Yeah. But yeah. Um, he set up a group chat for all of his exes, huh, Kandre? There we man. go, man. All right, look at me now. Another stunner for his collection. Um, Provedel, bro. Was it his fault? The, the, you're saying, the, I, I think Provedel had a shaky performance. Um, even against Celtic, he didn't see too much of the ball. And then he scuffed a few, like, back passes. He was shit with the ball at his feet and he didn't command his area as he did when he was confident when he scored that last minute goal in the Champions yeah. League, this and that. Um, I wouldn't say the goal was his fault. If, if I'm if I'm being completely honest, I know I think it's you think you well. think otherwise. But I don't know that, if I would think it's just because the, the 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 sheer power and the the amount I've it, it, few times do you see a ball move so frequently and so obviously mm. at such power and speed, man, and wind and and, and the, the wind as well. Yeah. It's it's fucked. Keep in mind he'll have a, a couple of players blocking his vision as well. Provadel, that's a a tough. Tough ball to save, yeah. man. It's, I, I do think there, there is, the great goalkeepers would save that. Yeah. Potentially. 
but it's 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 tough to say, man. Yeah, it's it's perhaps a forgivable error. Mm. Um, Matsuki, did it, Matsuki reminded me of our mother this game. In what sense? At one point, um, I think he thought that the throw-in was his, but it was given the other way. And he got his hand in a fist uh-huh. and he bit his <laughs> index finger. He bit <laughs> like, like looking at the referee, he's biting his finger. Did he go up to the linesman, show him the bite mark, so his had to go, look what you did to me. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely look, look remind me of Mama. <laughs> Shout out to yeah. Mama. Look, the... And sh- Papa, we're doing legends. Shout out to Mom, Dad, love you. The XG for Salernitana's 1.75, while Lazio's was 1.98, so it was quite a tight affair. Lazio dominated the ball possession 62% over there. Lotito did say at the end of this game, I can't believe it, we just lost to Candreva. We lost 11 against Candreva. That's what Lotito said. Not mm. quite fair. Not when you look at the statistics other than the possession stats, they were totally on par. In fact, there were four saves made by Providel and one save only made by Costil. Um, wow, wow, big precedent yeah. is sad, wow, wow. You look at Patrick, this game, he didn't win a single aerial or ground duel. That just goes to show um, where one of the problems was this game. It's probably living under a rock yes. under the sea doesn't help. Lazio, um, Lazio's manager, Sarri after this game said in the next few days I will analyze what's gone wrong if it's my fault I will leave like guess what it's not his fault man he's still there he's still there so he's it's still not his there. fault because like, uh-huh. so he said over the next few days yeah. a few days have passed now exactly. so he's, he's he's still there he's fine um, I don't know if he's lost the dressing room to be honest that might be a bit of a a scary thing because you look at every time the players, the lots of players are going into halftime or going into the dressing room, everyone's arguing already from yep. the get-go. You see, there are quite a few feisty characters, granted, Luis Alberto over there. They have many um, players of Spanish descent as well. They they like to mm. they like to yap a bit. No, it, it it that that can be good and bad. The arguing like not the pointing fingers, but the the heated discussions going into the dressing room that could showcase. A winning, winning mentality and and the desire and the desire to win. Um, think of the Roy Keens. Think about the Patrick Vieiras. Think about the Claude Macaleleys and 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 all of these. They, they, they maybe not Macaleley. He wasn't very argumentative, but these are the kind of players that are at the forefront, shouting, commanding, mm-hmm. trying to get the best out of their teammates, but. And then there's the Bruno Fernandez type. Yeah. There's the, the Luis Nagas, Alberto the type. There's the who's that fucking Bologna player? Moro. Moro. There's the Moro type. These are the guys. They, they, they don't command. They bitch and they flail. They whine. They whine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just wonder what it's like when they actually do get into the dressing room. Like, is, is, um, Luis Alberto constantly challenging Sarri, for example? You know, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, but Matthias on the group chat just messaged us. We're uh, missing the football, obviously. It's Champions League night. Joao Mario hat trick in less than 40 minutes against Inter. Joao Mario hat trick in less than 40 minutes against Inter. Bro, I might get that tattooed. <laughs> how much are Inter? Man? Inter are losing 3 0 to Benfica. There's oh my the, God. There's, the, there's the rotation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's read their lineup quickly. So no they have Audero, Cherby, Devray, Bissek, Carlos Augusto, Klassen, Aslani, Fratesi, Darmian, Sanchez, Arnautovic. 
3-0 down to Benfica But My you know God. they afford Bellingham has done it again Against Napoli Real are leading 2-1 At the moment Simeone scored Mr. Champions Mr. League Champions League There we go Oh, Brian Diaz with an assist. Way on Rodrigo's goal. But anyway, anyway, let's back, get back to it. Yeah, back to the topic. Uh, talk I about think I forgot it. Now, <laughs> where were we? <laughs> we're saying about uh, Sarri losing the dressing room. Ah, yes. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case. It's always difficult to to tell unless you're watching the team very closely and you're in and around them during training. Um, but but yeah, it's definitely not looking good for lots. You and something definitely isn't ticking. It's difficult to put your your finger on what the problem is. I don't know if it's an individual thing. I think collectively there's a lack of confidence. There's a lack of understanding. And quite frankly, there's a lack of quality in that midfield. When you look at Luis Alberto playing there, it's all going through him. Everything runs. Everything ticks through Luis Alberto. Um, he wasn't there this game and they really struggled. Zakani wasn't great. Philip Anderson was isolated, Immobile was isolated, Kamada Cataldi Gwenduzi didn't quite get ticking, Marisic and Lazzari a little bit behind as well. It wasn't a great showing for them at all. Yeah, remember this is still season one of them, life without uh, Sergei. Yeah. That, that's still, uh, still very prominent. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's an all-round midfielder over there, yeah. world-class back then. Yeah. But yes, um, when you look at the table, you will see that Lazio are in 11th and with 17 points, while Salernitana are in 20th with 8 points. But don't get it twisted, they're only 2 points off of safety. It's quite tight down there. Yeah. Thank you, Siri. Next game we're going to be covering is Roma 3, Udinese 1. Uh, the Giallo Rossi finally had Lorenzo Pellegrini back in the starting 11. Woohoo! Well, remember when Mourinho said that he wishes he had 11 Pellegrinis? Yeah, that, that would be good. That have an entire team injured for half the season. <laughs> but they had Jonato Sanchez out, they had Chris Smalling out, they had Tammy Abraham out, and they had Marash Kumbola out. Who would have thought? They're all injury prone, like literally mm-hmm. all of them are injury prone players. Actually, the ball has fit, which is crazy. Um, the Frulani had an even longer absentee list, including Pereira, Delafoe, Ezibwe, Davis, Brenner, Enzoe Bosse, Semedo, and Christensen. But in their last two games, they had beaten Milan and held Atalanta to kind of turn things around a little bit to Deneze. But in this game, Roma opened the scoring in the 20th minute after Mancini headed in an in-swinging Dybala free kick, 1-0. Um, the inevitable header that Mancini scores every season. He gets a couple of them. Udinese equalized in the 57th as Tuvan headed in at the far post following a beautiful cross by Payero, where Rui Patricio was kind of unsure whether to commit or not. Tuvan did one of my least favorite celebrations where like he, he blow, he gets really close to the camera, blows a kiss and then speaks to the camera like he's addressing someone. It's like, I really don't want to see that. Like, who are you talking to? It bugs me. <laughs> Can't hear you, bro. Yeah, as a, like, stop. Um, a beautiful and quick passage of play led to Dybala finishing cleanly in the final third after being set up by a clever Lukaku touch following some beautiful one-touch play, uh, making it 2-1 for Roma. And then El Sharawi sealed the deal in the 90th minute after a trademark finish into the far corner making it 3-1. I just want to say... Vintage Definitely. I just want to say that in my other Fanta, in our other Fanta, I had Mancini and El Sharawi on the bench, as well as Milan Juric. Wow, bro doesn't know ball. I don't know ball. I just choose the best players. On the other hand, I won four bets this weekend. Four out of five. 
you should give Fajoli some tips. <laughs> harsh, Maybe harsh. Maybe still have his kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he could finally pay back Dragosin. Yeah. <laughs> and someone is. Who was it? Two. He borrowed 50k. Dragosin and... Oh, God, here we go. Here we go. Remember. I don't know, but we'll remember, like, in, like, well, when we have 15 minutes left, I will randomly scream it, don't worry. Um, tactical adjustments in this match for Roma. Mourinho made strategic substitutions, bringing in Bove and adjusting the formation to a 3-4-3, uh, which proved effective in turning the game in Roma's favour. Um, naturally, Roma, one thing they do have at their arsenal is pace. Nowadays, since they've got um, the ball and they're starting 11 and they've also got uh, players like El Sharawi that they can bring on as well. They've got Spinazzola, they've got Karsdorp, they've got a, a, a fair bit of pace in the mm-hmm. in their side. And, and changing it to a 3-4-3, putting Lukaku up front, flanked by the ball and El Sharawi. A, a good little plan B for Why them not, to have yeah. in their arsenal. Yeah. They've climbed up to fifth, man. They're they're doing very well now. Slowly, slowly, sneaky, sneaky. Ah, uh-huh. that that's right. how that, that tends to happen with with Roma. Um, mm. even last year they were being sneaky, but then they had to ditch that abort mission to focus on the Europa League. But there seemed to be this optimism at the Olimpico. Like even when they conceded the the equalizer. The, the the fans they were still behind the players yeah. they were still chanting the Olympico was still uh, totally alive there seems to be this belief that that this squad can actually do something this season do you think they can do something this season I think they can um, Roma have weapons at their arsenal um, they're good from dead ball situations they've got um, Lukaku and Dybala that together and 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 fully fit they can do a lot of damage. Um, their midfield isn't crazy and it's an ever-changing list of players rotating with each other but Mourinho tends to get the best out of these kind of players Mm -hmm. Um, he needs them to be savages he needs them to be calm and he needs them to be killers and and he tends to create um, this kind of player so overall I think Roma can do something, especially without Ibanez in the yeah. <laughs> Very good, very good point. Um, did you hear what Mourinho said about about this team when they're away from home? No. He said that he's coached teams in the past that away from home were like a group of bandits who wanted to go into foreign lands and conquer, essentially. Ah. Whereas now he's coaching a team who um, apparently when they play away from home just miss their grandma's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what he said, dude. <laughs> this guy is unhinged but yeah um i think roma are definitely um getting their shit together they still have that that super useful ability of scoring goals from set pieces and it, they seem to do it every game um and other than that they show that they can score great goals from open play as well such as case in point um Dybala's goal over here yeah absolutely fantastic link up play and then el sharawi's goal First time perfectly into the corner, vintage El Sharawi, um, just showing us that they have many avenues that they can score from. Yeah, um, I think Odinez had a decent performance over here as well um, to give them their flowers because they they are looking better than they were at mm. the than the start of the season. Um, they seemed to struggle more when coping with um, Lukaku and Dybala. 
than playing football against Roma. Yeah. And it's um, the attack that that essentially won Roma the game because yes, Roma had 12 shots, um, but five were on target and they, they had 64% ball possession. A lot of the time, Roma being Roma, they were playing the ball around, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Yeah. And Odinese, they, they weren't impatient with it. They, they kept their shape and then they managed to get a goal to get the equalizer. Um, but then that's when personnel and having star players makes a difference for you because the ball and Lukaku can flip the switch. They link up together so, so well, man. Lukaku really understands the assignment with Roma and Dybala, he doesn't need to understand the assignment. He's so fucking talented that you put him wherever you put him and I think he's going to perform to a certain extent. Having most, Lukaku most by his side helps. Yeah. Of course, yes, very true. Roma are in fifth now on 21 points. Guys, they're just three points behind Napoli and just five points behind Milan. So they, they, they really are lurking. Udinese, on the other hand, 16th place on 11 points out of the relegation zone. So I'll just do Bologna-Torino now as well. It was Bologna 2, Torino 0. Salamakers started ahead of the doubtful Orsolini for Bologna, as he was in doubt. Um, and young Fabian got his first start of the season ahead of Freuler. Schurz and Ricci were out for Torino, replaced by Lazzaro and Linetti. Vanya was also benched by Juric, replaced by Gemello. Um, the coaching staff said that this was a simple technical choice, um, prompted by a perceived drop in the Serbian goalkeeper's performances during training. Okay? We talking about practice. We talking practice. We talking about practice. But anyway... Um, in minute one, Fabian went for a goal, really setting the tone for what was a memorable performance for him in his first Serie A start. Um, Vlasic netted a bullet from distance in the 17th minute. This would have been up there with some of the great goals. Up, up, it, it would have been alongside um, Malinovsky's and... and um, Kandrevas. Kandrevas. Uh, but VAR controversially ruled it out as Zapata was in an offside position impeding Gemello's vision. Uh, um, I thought this was harsh at first. And I thought that th- there was no way that that goal shouldn't stand. And that the velocity that the ball was hit, that struck with, it wouldn't have made a mm. difference if the goalkeeper saw it or not. And I was talking to David about it, um, mm. the poet. I, I, yes, we call him the David. poet. Yeah, he's the best. Shout out David um, on Instagram about it, and we were agreeing that it was it was um, it was ridiculous. However, I, I have revisited the images, and um, I was talking to a, f- a friend of mine. Zapata literally has to duck, bro. Zapata um, runs into the keeper's view. He it, it's to- he's totally blocking him, and there's another player in an offside position impeding his view as well. Mm. Um, it's. It's the rule, you know, and if we're going to be consistent over here, then That's it, it needs bro. to be cancelled. I That's don't, I'm not sure I like the rule that if the, a goalkeeper's vision is being blocked by a player in an offside position, then you cancel the goal. I'm not sure how I feel about it because there's a lot of room for fine margins, like maybe this one, or I'm sure there have been. Yeah, but what more. happens when you start making exceptions? That's man. it. That's it. You, you know get arguments in the, the in the VAR room. You you get all the pundits, the pundits. You get all the pundits um, talking shit about this decision. They create this atmosphere against the game and against the rules of the game. 
this is consistent, man. Yes, the, the, it, was, it was a great goal. Boo fucking who, man. He was in the way. Yeah. He was in the way and, and he should essentially know better at this point. I'm still pissed off about that Kessie, the, the Giroud offside yeah, he, when he was on the goal against Napoli two years ago. I haven't stopped thinking about <laughs> it, man. He was offside. He really wasn't impeding his vision. Yeah. But it, it's, it's the rule and they need to be consistent. This is where they need to put their, their foot down. Would have been a great goal though. Mm-hmm. Zapata forced Skorupski to a good save late in the first half as Bologna struggled to threaten due to some great man-marking by Buongiorno on Zergze. That was a beautiful battle between those two, brother. You've got mm-hmm. Zergze being all slick on the one, and Buongiorno just aggressive, on his ass, strong, not he was giving neutralizing him neutralizing him well. Yes, bro. Yes, that, that's the very end. That's fucking Buongiorno for you, man. However, and then Bologna managed to open the scoring through Fabian. You remember how Vanya wasn't doing well in training and how they should start someone called Gemello? Gemello? I, I've, I've honestly never seen such a bad decision made by a goalkeeper, honestly. Because there was a through ball played um, by Beukema to Fabian. A, a through ball almost at the feet of Fabian. Fabian had to make three, four steps. With the defensive the line around him. With the defensive line around him. Jamel was like, I can get this one. <laughs> and he sprints out of his box, bro. I'm not even saying a bit out of his box. He went halfway to the halfway line, like. Halfway to the halfway between the box and halfway to try and get it. Bless him, he got a touch to it. But 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 um, Fabian managed to keep hold of it and he tapped it into the mm-hmm. empty net. Terrible, terrible decision making by Jamello, who's obviously new and, and 23. He's young, so much to learn, but not, not a good sign at all, huh? because decision making is Decision making, yeah, but, but that can be improved, to be honest. And with experience, now he'll know not to rush when, when the fucking ball is. But imagine, imagine he did touch the ball first. Imagine he cleared it out of the way. We'd be saying, wow, what a brave goalkeeper. The new Neuer, sweeper, keeper. No way, bro. No way. <laughs> if, if you see it, the ball was at his feet. I don't yeah, rush was, out like that. Honestly, man. it was bizarre. I his can't believe he ran out. His defenders like, were there. Like, why are you rushing out? The fact it was you see everyone looking at it. It was crazy, man. It was it crazy. Was crazy. Um, then it was a whole lot of Torino doing nothing. And then it was Torino, um, Trying, but, but Bologna, such a unit, man. Such a unit, Thiago Mottas, man. And then, as Torino were kind of looking to push, um, there was a long ball over the top by Liko Janis after gaining possession, um, to Zergze, who was clean through on goal. Zergze being Zergze, he's like, let me let this guy catch up to me. Yeah. Guy catches up to him, <whistles> skips past him, <laughs> and slots it into the, the, the bottom near corner. So calm, so smooth, so sexy, man. He's, he's ruled out originally. R- originally ruled out for offside. What did I tell you when they ruled it out? He's on. He's on. Guess what? Guess what I told he you. He was obviously on. Like guess what I told you. No chances on. No chances. <laughs> no <laughs> no chances. Chance. He was like, you guys can't see this, but he was like this much yeah, onside. He, he bent his run to perfection, bro. He's so good, I'm Zerg Zerg Zerg. You I ever almost... saw the clip where he missed that empty goal for Bayern Munich? He dribbled past the keeper. He was gonna let uh, let me let this one roll in. I don't need to touch it again. Guy comes sliding out of nowhere, I've like seen embarrassing stuff. No, I should check that. And I saw it on TikTok recently, and the comments were saying, "Haha, what a joke this player is!" At Zergzi, mm. at Zergzi. 
Little look at them now, know, like huh? they, they they have no idea that he's making grown men Idiots. look like children. Yeah, I I mean the the first talking point was the the disallowed goal, but but I guess we've already discussed yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Bologna's current form: three wins in four, and they're in sixth. Yeah, they are absolutely brilliant at the moment, and I do think they can keep it up as long as Zergzi doesn't get injured. You think he's? I think he's I the think, sauce. I think he's pivotal for them, and I think they might struggle without him because there are certain moments where it's all Zergzi. Like you feed him a ball, and he just fucking faints and shimmies mm. and twists, and mm. and without you have many players who who work for a few technically gifted players mm-hmm. like Salamakers and Ndoya. Mm-hmm. Their entire role over here was to serve as Zergzi and Ferguson, right? Yep. Um, even Fabian and Abishur to a certain extent in the double pivot with Christiansen and Porsche at the back same thing man just servicing the striker the substitute striker is not prolific at all Van Van Huydink 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 yeah so I think as long as Zergzi stays fit they can actually compete for European spots I also don't know much about their second keeper but Skorupski is fantastic and I don't know how that'd be if something were to happen to him other than that, they have depth all around their, their wings, especially, um, like Orsolini's fallen injured and not that bad. They can, they can do with Ndoye, who's okay. Mm. Um, Freuler came on as a substitute in the double pivot, for example, another brilliant yeah. piece of depth. Yeah. And obviously, once again, praise to Fabian, bro, because he already scored this season. He had yes. scored in his, um, first, I think, substitute appearance and now he scored in his first start. So, Power to him. The boys got a real life for goal. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. That was going to be my, my, my second and last question yeah. for you. So basically, guys, Bologna in sixth place on 21 points, while Storino are down in 12th on 16 points. Verona, two Lecce, two, brother. Let's go. This was a super entertaining game. Super, super, super entertaining game. Verona started with a 4-2-3-1. They had Chachua as the right back. Chachua. Um, he ended back as center back, partnered with Amione, of course. Um, Suslov was the trequartista here with Jurich starting up front and Ngonj starting on the right with Mbula starting on the left. Uh, they change a lot, this Verona team. Yeah. For Lecce, it's pretty much the same team that it is every week. The midfield three is a bit different. Odin, Blin and Gonzalez. Banda was on the right this time with Sansoan on the left and Kristovic up front. The defense was business as usual with Falcone and goal as always. Um, yeah, Suslov looked interesting for Verona. That was one of the first things I pointed out when I was, when I was taking notes for this one. And I also pointed out, bro, and noted that Banda must be the luckiest person when it comes to yellow cards this game. He actually got one eventually this game, but he so often loses his cool, pushes someone or kicks someone or is yeah. like nudges someone. But I think because he has such a disadvantage with his height that mm. referees actually feel bad for him, man. I don't think it's that they feel bad for him. Is that, keep, keep in mind, if he comes, if he runs up to you and barges into you... <laughs> What? It, 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 it's like, it's we like, it's, it's like Lukaku rested his ass against you. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, 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 the impact doesn't match the actual pain that is inflicted. Like, yeah. 
It's true. Fair enough. But um, he should totally behave himself. Yeah, he starts. He more. starts like um, extending his his leg. He he starts uh, whacking his arm out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. It was Udon who opened the st- the scoring in the thirtieth minute. A great goal. There was an uncharacteristic error by Hien who did it twice in a row where he just plays a terrible ball down the middle um, to the opposition. But um, Udon curled it from outside the area perfectly with his weaker foot and it had quite a lot of power on it as well Udon he's got quite Great a, goal. Great quite, goal. a good, um, quite a good shot on him um, there was a massive giveaway by Dorgu and then when Juric how found many followers did he get from it <laughs> it took me a while to be honest <laughs> Juric found Ngonj who slotted it neatly past Falcone from a very very tight angle and this was of course towards the end of the first half in the second half it was Juan Gonzalez who scored for Lecce before Milan Juric headed home at Filippo Terra Chano cross to make it 2-2 um there were great saves by Falcone, especially in the second half. There was on a free kick on Ngonj, a fantastic save, another amazing one on Duda. There was, um, ah, Gonzalez's goal, by the way, took a deflection off of Duda as well. I forgot to mention that. But the, the finale of this game was action packed and it featured Bonazzoli scoring offside as well. It would have been mm. 3-2 for Hellas Verona, who have improved, um, Recently, they, they're starting to get their shit together. While Lecce have regressed ever so slightly, but it is fair to say that they overachieved at the start of the season. And that actually gave them some comfort because the main objective for a team like Lecce is obviously survival, right? Yeah, and I mean, what did they do last year to survive? They overachieved in the first half of the season and then the second half of the season, they weren't so great. They were actually terrible. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I believe I had them coming in... <laughs> Well, getting relegated this season. Um, Lecture, initially. right? Yeah. yeah, we didn't know that the guys coming in were going to be so good. Um, I think that many actions die with Banda. We actually have a listener question from Alan about Banda and about Lecce playing with two strikers up front, right? Because, you know, mm. colleague's been playing well when he comes yeah. on. Christopher, which is good. So why not change it up? Play two strikers together, you know, give Banda a bit of a break. Mm. I think that might be a good idea. Um, interesting to see if Roberto Daversa is flexible enough with that. I mean, this isn't his original 4-3-3. He found that here when he arrived. Yeah. So he could easily turn things around. Maybe, you know, deploy a 4-4-2. See how Lecce fare over there. I think characteristically they have the players who would thrive in a 4-4-2 with that solid defense and, and midfield. That's what I'm saying. Um, Udon having a bit more of a free role, mm. perhaps, uh, behind, behind the strikers. at the back as well, centre-back in a 4 4 Sansone could still be out on the left. Yeah. If you need Banda, you can even play him on the wing, get him away from goal, though. But there's also Strefezza. You play Strefezza, let's say it's a 4-4-2. Four, four, I think that's more like a 4-3-1-2. Four, four, two. Two. You play Strefezza in the hole, maybe, or...? Perhaps. He, he, he played as an attacking midfielder towards mm. the start of the... Because I don't the think season. the same thing goes for Banda. I think with players like Strefetz and Banda, you can't play them on the right side of a four-four-two. I think you need more of a physical guy like Venuti or something. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. It depends on the. It could work though to up front for them. Yeah, it could definitely work. Even if they could, they're in a situation where they need a goal, they they 
they have that option. They often get the ball into the box. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not bad at getting there. Um, the problem is it's not always the Christovich. Right? Exactly, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, this was a very entertaining game characterized by individual errors. Um, as to where they stand at the moment, we've got Hellas Verona in 19th with 9 points, while Lecce are comfortably in 13th with 15 points for now. Frozenone 2, Genoa 1. Yeah, both, teams, both teams were promoted from Serie B over the summer and they're both out of the drop zone, so that's nice to see. Yeah. Um, I remember, I think in our first season, Mintoff had asked us, um, what can Serie do to fix this problem of all the Serie B teams coming up, just instantly getting demoted again? How, how can they fix it? But really, over the past few years, we've seen some newly promoted teams come up and just make a statement, man. Yeah, um, it's happening more and more. And nowadays. it's happening more and more. We've got Frozen on it, Genoa and Cagliari. God bless them. Um, Albert Goodmanson joined Retegui, Ekoban and Bani on the absentee list. So the Grifone looked to Ruslan Malinovsky and George Puskas up front, while the Canarini missed Luca Mazzitelli, Kalai and Harui. So... Big misses for both teams, especially Genoa with all yeah, those injuries. Genoa, poor guys, man. Yeah. Frozenone's ambitious build-up play in the opening seconds almost bit them in the ass as Sabelli won the ball and squared it to Puskas, but Okoli did well to slide in and clear the ball off the line. Good to see Okoli getting minutes. He, he is a, a player owned by Atalanta, um, young local centre-back, and hopefully we'll be seeing more of him in the future. Yeah, that was a mistake by Berenice on long term Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, Frosinone opened the scoring through Sulle in the 34th minute. That was his sixth goal of the season, Madonna. Um, it was a powerful moving strike from outside the area, which went straight through Martinez, who will be extremely, extremely disappointed. Now, that's a goalkeeping error. Yeah. Um, good strike by Sulle, but near post. He, he literally almost had, in that occasion, you put your body behind the ball. And there's no way you concede. If you go to extend yourself or or do something like that, like he almost tried to push it out, like he extended his arms and tried to push it out and went through his arms because it was powerful. Whatever, man. Um, Just two minutes later, Ruslan Masivkovsky finally reminded us what he's capable of. Um, Scoring our goal of the week. Guys, it's tough to describe this goal. It was an unstoppable powerful curling strike from around 30 yards out which went straight into the top corner but before it went into the top corner it was nowhere near anywhere it was nowhere near the goalpost it was nowhere near the keeper then all of a sudden it it dips and curls into the corner honestly i think for a second it was between space and time like the galactic soccer goalkeeper wouldn't have saved it that 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 weird um, cardboard cut out of a keeper that goes left and right that mm-hmm. only Messi managed to score against yeah. wouldn't have saved it like <laughs> crazy Stuttman off injured at halftime to add to Genoa's injury woes as they were 1-1 uh, in the 66th minute and then Malinowski rattled the crossbar from a free kick which was set up for a cross that was from an insanely mm. tight angle out to the right hand side he had Turati tangled up in the side netting this guy man you know Mal- <laughs> Malinowski when he's on and he's confident he's so fun to watch because he just has a shot bro it's as simple as giving him space I think most teams have learned not to give him any yeah. space and, and in fact he's never had 
space it's true. this season it's true. so far. He he hasn't been allowed to take these shots. But yeah. this time he got he had a moment. He wasn't even on the board. He, he, he didn't even po- exactly. have possession of the ball. He kicked it out of a teammate's yeah. possession. Like. Yeah. Crazy man. I think maybe that's what he has to do now. Yeah. Charge to his teammates and kick the ball out of their feet. <laughs> literally, <right>? literally. <laughs> They were neck and neck for the majority of the game at, at uh, 1-1, both teams trying. Um, at Frozenone kept going, despite Malinowski hitting the post and, and, and this and that. And in the 94th minute, they finally managed to find their winner. It was Ilario Monterizzi, the 21-year-old centre-back, who got the winner after a cutback from Brescianini. Uh, managed to get it past the goalkeeper coming in sliding in um, I like Monterisi we, we, we've highlighted him in the past it was his second goal of the season yeah, yeah. yeah we he, probably highlighted him when he got yeah, his first goal exactly. of the season <laughs> he, he enjoyed it uh, yes he yes, yes he's yes, a good yes. player Monterisi yeah. he bad. is man he is um, Frozenone faced controversy with a potential uh, handling offence by Dragosin but VAR showed it was just outside the penalty area um, that happened throughout the game. I wasn't sure in what minute it happened, so mm. I put it in my talking points. <laughs> um, this is Frozenone's sixth result without a loss at home. That's crazy. That's crazy. For That's a newly crazy. promoted team, man, to have that home record in your first season in Serie A. You look at, you look at, um, you have two, two newly promoted teams from the last two seasons in the top 10 at the moment. Madonna. Monza 9th and Frosinone in 10th. Madonna, man. Yeah, the league's getting competitive. I, I like when teams with good projects get promoted, you know. Mm. Um, Frosinone are very exciting. Um, and even Monza, of course, coming up where mm-hmm. they were destined for success. Yeah. So so hopefully it remains a trend. And hopefully, you know, the likes of how your Udinese's and your Verona's where there isn't much of a project going on. Eventually phase out and new exciting teams come up like the, the likes of Venezia, the likes of Palermo. Yeah. These teams have very good projects going on. Even Bari have a good project. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do not sleep on Genoa, even though they just lost to Frosinone. They do have a bunch of injuries. They, they will be back. They've got such a strong squad. Um, and once these players are back and, and they get flowing, we, we can even see them push to get as close to that 10th spot as possible, I think, Genoa. But there, there's it's no reason. Fetched. I mean, Messias hasn't been in full con- condition yet. Mm. He hasn't been at his best and he suffered injuries when he arrived. Mm. Retegui's been injured. Now Goodmanson was injured this game. So we've been seeing Puskas, Ekuban, you know, not quite good enough. No. But their starting 11 is Definitely yeah. good enough to give anyone around for them. For sure, for sure, and and we'll we'll see that in the near future. Yeah. I'm I'm confident. When it comes to where they are in the table, Genoa are in fifteenth on fourteen points, and Frosinone are in tenth on eighteen points. So Frosinone, eighteen points, they are only six points behind Napoli in fourth. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, wild, <laughs> wild, wild. Cagliari won Monza one. Last game, right? Last game. This was an early Sunday treat. Um, Petania got a start alongside Lovumbo, and it's safe to say, and it's fair to say, that um, Petania deserved this start because he's been pretty good um, yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Sunday treats. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a Sunday roast. <laughs> Sunday roasts are fucking delicious, man. Yeah, they are. Um, 19-year-old Prati. Started for Cagliari as the regista and it was business as usual for 
Monza. Um, Dossena got his second goal in two games after a great corner by Viola. Um, there was a good initial header by Goldaniga, uh, but the ball was saved and Dossena tapped in the rebound. The 25-year-old Atalanta youth player who has been impressing ever since those three mistakes he made against Frosinone. <laughs> um, but then he contributed to the winner. So, yeah. so, you know, what a comeback story. Between the 20th and the 25th minute, Cagliari had two penalty calls for handball. They were applying a lot of pressure and Di Gregorio heroics kept them in the game. Even Colomba had to go back to contribute to the defense. That's how much Cagliari were pressing these mm. guys. Um, Viola gave a free kick in the first half that had everyone celebrating. Everyone thought it went in, but it turns out that it hit the side netting. Mm. I was particularly impressed by Makumbu. Mm. Makumbu is very good. Um, he played really well. He's that player. Remember, I described a Cagliari midfielder who's very shifty. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's him. He's, he's pretty good. Um, I thought that Birindelli and Colpani were very good for Monza, particularly Birindelli. I, I saw him give a few balls. I was like, oof, that's, mm. that's, a, that's a good pass over there by him. Maric got his first ever Serie A goal with a lovely header off of a Kyriakopoulos corner. Maric is a 28-year-old player who was previously on loan at Crotone where he got 11 goals in uh, in 36 appearances. I was going to say 36 assists because I just wrote A because mm-hmm. I'm lazy. Bro <laughs> is from Croatia, by the way. Six foot two. Yes. Um, smiles and cheers whenever Pavaletti comes on who came in at the end of the game and once I hit the crossbar twice... Um, this game Churia had a particularly close one At the end of the game When Carboni played him through wonderfully You know Monza plays such nice intricate football mm. man Such a good team They have like um, Like Birindelli and Colpani And Kiriakopoulos and Mota So they have their um, Wing backs and their wingers They link up with these one twos. Sometimes they even bring in um, the two central midfielders and they set up these little triangles. Yeah, yeah. That they, like Gagliardini, Kiriakopoulos, Mota, or Pessina, Berendelli, Colpani. Everyone can play on this team. If you look at Carboni, you look at Itzo, who's out at the moment. Mm. Um, These guys are very technically gifted. Um, And and yeah, they have a nice balance and their team is fantastic. (laughs) It's young. And they're very exciting to watch. And I look forward to watching them for a while and say, yeah. Same here, man. Same here. As to where they stand in the table. <laughs> I always have to buy myself. <laughs> As, As to- for where they stand <laughs> in the table. Cagliari currently stand in 17th with 10 points, while Monza are in 9th with 18 points. I think it's needless to say that when it comes to... Um, the question segment we should release another episode yes. to like a 20 minute for the question segment because obviously a lot happened in this match day so it's hard to fit that in within the two hour time frame which is what we're trying to stick to just because logistically mm-hmm. it makes everything vis-a-vis um, distribution much easier and 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 believe me much easier yeah, yeah keeping it, easier, keeping it under easier. two hours so yeah, we'll upload another mini episode for questions. I'm sure you'll be happy with that. That will yeah. be three uploads today, by the way, because we uploaded the trailer as well. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Um, so that's that for this episode, guys. Don't forget to... Um, well, firstly, thank you for dropping ratings because we got that average back up to five stars rather than four. Rather than 4.9. I was going to... 
kill someone like um so thank you very much don't forget to keep on rating keep on following keep on looking out for um tiktok and instagram for our snippets we're working on some fun ones right now thank you and we will see you all next week cheers jeff this is seria spotlight if you like Syria A or have ever liked it in the past, it's a good opportunity for you to listen once a week and you'll get filled in. In the football weekend, that's like the main dish. But then a few days later, you drop your episode and that's like the dessert. And the dessert is just perfect. It's good, the cake. It makes it feel like we're all sitting in a room together, just BSing with each other. The atmosphere is fantastic. I promise nobody will ask you to send boob pics. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I love how you go into so much detail and show so much passion towards each and every team. Literally, no team is left undiscussed. When I listen to you, it's like I'm talking to you in a pub. It's like I'm chatting to a friend and you're chatting to me.